Good news. My new book is finally here. It's called Handbook for the Heartbroken, A Woman's Path from Devastation to Rebirth, and you can order it now wherever books are sold. I wrote this book after the five-year span between 2016 and 2020 when I experienced serial heartbreaks that rocked literally every area of my life, my health, relationships, money, career, social status, and even my very sense of self. And along the way, I really got to experience firsthand how dysfunctional our culture's relationship is to loss. I saw how we live in a heartbreak illiterate world that's obsessed with success and shackled with isolation and ignorant of how valuable our suffering can be for our growth and our evolution, not only as individuals, but also as a collective. So this book expands the conversation around loss beyond just breakups and bereavement, although we definitely cover those too, in order to include falls from grace of all kinds, personal, professional, and collective. So whether you're experiencing hardship now or know you have past hurts that are holding you back in certain ways and still need healing, this book is here to support you. It's also a great book to gift to clients, family members, friends, just other women in your world who are going through a challenging time. It will show you that it's only through fully turning toward your heartbreak with support, courage, and compassion that you can heal. So within the loving pages of this book, you will have full permission to fall apart and slowly, organically find your way back to greater wholeness. I'm truly excited to share this with you. It was not a joy to live this journey, but it really was a joy to write it. And you can find it again wherever books are sold and the audio version of the book is available as well. If you would like some gifts to accompany you on your heartbreak journey, you can get those at handbookfortheheartbroken.com. Those are free. Whenever you order books, you can just send in your invoice or your receipt and we'll send you those accompanying gifts. Enjoy. Hello, sisters. Welcome to She Talks. I'm Sarah Von Stover, a yoga and meditation teacher, best-selling author, and founder of The Way of the Happy Woman. I'm really happy to share that throughout the months of December and January, I'm offering a special series called Bubble Bath Wisdom. Why Bubble Bath Wisdom? Well, bubble baths are my favorite way to unwind on winter evenings. And amidst the craziness of the holiday season, these talks offer the refreshing feminine wisdom you need to step away, turn in, and come home to yourself. So for 15 to 20 minutes, or the length of one delicious bubble bath, I'll share a clip of a talk I gave at one of my recent silent she retreats. Each of these talks highlights a different stage of our heroine's journey and I offer it in celebration of the opening of my online immersion, The She School, a nine-month journey to soulful, sovereign womanhood. Now, I only open registration once a year in December and January, and this is the most in-depth and inspired program I lead. You can learn more at theshe-school.com. Now, draw yourself a bath or shift into your favorite self-care mode, settle in, light a candle, and exhale. 
Welcome home. Heroine's journey. Like I shared earlier, this is both an ascending and a descending path. A lot of times in the yoga, meditation, spiritual community, only the ascending path is emphasized. Transcending our personality, transcending our wounds, transcending our bodies, our pasts. That does not make freedom. That is what is known as spiritual bypassing, of seeking the light, of seeking the divine without simultaneously reckoning with our humanity. So the descending journey is the descending journey into the feeling body. into these flesh and bone bodies, which we'll explore more this afternoon as our house. This body is our house. It is our home while we are alive. It is the seat of our consciousness. So our mind isn't just in our brains. It's not just in our heads. Mind is throughout the whole body. I was just reading a study, and this is a little bit grotesque, and it's not very humane for animals, but there were some studies done on rats trying to understand the location of memory. And they created a maze and put a rat through it to allow the, the rat to memorize how to get through the maze. And then they gradually started to take out pieces of this rat's brain. And what they discovered was that no matter how much of this rat's brain they took out, the rat still found its way through the maze. That memory wasn't in its mind. It wasn't in its brain. It was somewhere else. So this is why a lot of times if we do a yoga practice, or we get some kind of body work, there might be, we might smell something that is not actually in the room. It might be an, a smell from an old memory. There's been some examples of people doing work around trauma, a process known as somatic experiencing. And back before anesthesia was used, ether was used for surgeries. And there have been times in therapy sessions unlocking bodily trauma that the room has started to smell of ether. That somehow the body holds on to this. So in this descending journey, there's so much. There's so much here. There is our own life experiences, our own childhood experiences, there's that of our mothers and grandmothers, what's coming 
to the forefront more and more is the power of epigenetics plays a much bigger role in our own mental, emotional, physical well-being than was ever previously imagined. That the traumas of our ancestors are living in our own cells. And a lot of times we see that trauma is repeated. Whether that is alcoholism or some sort of child abuse or even eating disorders. My mother had an eating disorder. My older sister had an eating disorder. I had an eating disorder. I didn't know my grandmother when she was younger, but she didn't have a good relationship with food either. So these are, these these things are passed on. It's more than just learned behavior. So we need to go in both directions. If, we, if we're only focusing on the body, the feelings, the mind, we can get stuck there. We can have the opposite of spiritual bypassing. We can have what is known as wound worshiping, where we just don't want to let go of our pain. One of my teacher calls this our stinky teddy bear. No, I'm not giving up my stinky teddy bear. Don't make me give this away. So we need we need both. And I would add here that we also need the horizontal. And this is why we're doing retreat in community. We need relationship to heal. Yesterday when I, did you all meet Daniel when you got out of your taxi? What a man, what a human being, right? Was I just having a moment or did you feel it too? Just the depth of kindness, of presence, of care that I felt from that man touched me very deeply and called me into a deeper state of presence. I was thinking, my gosh, I'm going to lead this retreat. I think he should be leading this retreat. He was a reminder that we see the divine in others. Where else are we going to see the face of the divine? But in the women in this room, Daniel, in the mirror. And relationships remind us of our interdependency, that we can't exist without one another. We can't. Just think of all the people that were needed to create this space. We feel that even more when we're a little bit removed from the world. On every, every given day, how much needs to happen in order for food to get here, in order for the boat to get here, in order for the communication to happen so that a group like us could even come here. 
there's a whole army of people that makes it possible for us to even ponder something like the heroine's journey. So while retreats that focus on relationships are really important, that's not what this relation, what this retreat is about. This retreat is about that primary relationship between oneself and with the divine. And from that, that can then inform all of our other relationships. So we're going to gradually go through the different stages of this heroine's journey. But we need to understand why, why are we called to the heroine's journey? And I know Deb shared last night in our opening circle that, I forget your exact words, Deb, but something like, I want to stop asking questions. You might not like what I'm going to say, but the heroine, it wouldn't be the first time. We can clean it up afterwards, right? <laughs> the heroine's journey begins with asking a question. And within question, we see the word quest. There is some disillusionment, something that within us that says, what I'm doing isn't working. What I'm doing, what I have, isn't making me happy. Or some other question. I'm sure you all have your own version of that question. You have a question that maybe you've had for your whole life. And a question that is really burning in you right now that brought you to this retreat. Those are sacred questions. Those are sacred questions. Now, Deb, I don't know what questions you want to stop asking yourself, but there are questions that are not sacred. There are questions that are harmful, debilitating. Why did I do that thing again? Haven't I learned this lesson yet? Shouldn't I be over this by now? Why did I do something so stupid? Why can't I have what she has or what he has or what they have? Why can't I be more like that? So there are questions that close the door to the quest and keep us locked in this little room of self-hatred and self-criticism and bitterness about life. It's okay to be bitter sometimes. Life is bitter, sweet, yes? But we don't want to stay there. So we start to shrivel We all know that feeling of shriveling and hardening. 
that's why we need to come on retreats and places like this so we can start to feel juicy and plump and alive again, open to life again. these questions, this disillusionment is, is what leads us on the journey. And if we didn't feel dissatisfaction, if we didn't feel disillusionment, we would never go on the inner journey. It's too challenging. It takes a lot to face ourselves fully and to face our lives fully. And there's too many distractions, quite frankly. Especially with the internet, so there's always something that we could be doing. Even when we're, we came all this way to, to get away from it all, we can still plug in and bring ourselves into another dimension where we don't have to actually face what's happening. We don't actually have to be present. So the inner journey, it commences with a crisis initially and then throughout our lives. We are called to deepen when we are in a challenge because we see this is my only salvation here. This, this learning how to be fully intimate with exactly what is here in this moment is the only way I'm going to be free. So then there are lots of different stages of the heroine's journey, which we'll unpack over the course of the week. But it's a, it's a map. so that we see, just like, I know, I think all of you have read The Way of the Happy Woman, just like when we look at the template of the seasons, we can see, oh, okay, I'm in the spring season of my life, or I'm in the winter season. With the heroine's journey, we can see even more facets and nuances of where we're getting hung up, where we have bypassed, where there are green lights, where we're needing more support on this inner quest. So I have so much appreciation for each of you for answering the call, to showing up for the journey. or going the extra mile to carve out the time and the space for this inner transformation. Because it's not gonna happen if we don't carve out the time and space. We're gonna stay locked in that little room. 
we might be able to put up nice wallpaper. Although wallpaper is not really in fashion these days, but I think it's coming back into fashion. You can paint the walls, you know, decorate the room. Everything looks nice. But we don't feel so good sitting in that room. It doesn't really feel like home. So this week we're not just staying in that room, we're going up to the second floor, we're going down to the basement, we're going out to the yard, checking out the front door. We're aerating and inhabiting the entire house. And when we leave our normal life, there needs to be a willingness to change. To know that what we learn inside might radically impact how we live our lives when we leave here. Might impact how we're in relationship to our intimate partners, to our family, to our children, to our friends. Might impact how we're in relationship to our work, to the people that we work with. Might impact how we spend our time or what foods we eat. Back when I used to teach co-ed retreats, there was one man who served in the military and he was a really big, strong dude. <laughs> and he came to this retreat and was all vegetarian. And he was very much a meat-eating man. He had never eaten a vegetarian. He was really nervous about this. And at first he complained about it. This isn't enough food for me, and I need more. And by the end of the retreat, what he shared in the closing circle was not, you know, the yoga that we did, the meditation we did, or some big realization he had, but he, he shared how much he loved the food. <laughs> He's just raving about the food and committed to bringing more fruit and vegetables and more vegetarian meals into his life. That radically changed him. So we don't, we don't know. Maybe we have some sense right now where the change is going to come in. Maybe we don't. <clears throat> and it might just be something really microscopic. But we need to be open to that, that our lives are going to change. This is a life-changing journey. So welcome to your heroine's journey this week. If this talk inspired you, I'd be so grateful if you would review this podcast on iTunes to help other women find it in the future. And if you're curious about how to live these teachings in your daily life, 
come on over and explore the She School at theshe-school.com. We're in session starting February 1st. Thank you so much for joining me. And until next time, I'm sending you my heartfelt support.